following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. I've been reading the news and seeing all the things people are saying on Facebook and and I felt like there was a perspective that's being missed that's incredibly important and nobody was really talking about it. And I went to Tim and said, I, I thought it was kind of the elephant in the room last Sunday. And I think it stands as the elephant in the room in every church in the world today. And to answer that, I went back and for myself, because I was working it into a worship set, I said, I took the scripture reading and I took a scripture and I put a couple of words with the scripture and then it turned into two scriptures and then three scriptures and five scriptures and <laughs> there's a few more than five. And I want to be careful how I say it, so I'm going to read it. And I hate when people just read stuff, but I want you to know this is from my heart. And I, I think this goes back to what we believe and comes back to the core of who we are. With the fall... With the fall, an evil entered this world. And I love C.S. Lewis's books because he describes this evil as something so evil and so deep that we could never imagine it. With the fall, that evil entered the world, and with it came suffering and disease and pain and ultimately death, people dying. But God has a plan, and this is the plan. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death There will no longer be any mourning. There will no longer be any crying or pain because the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, and I will give to the ones who thirst from the springs of water of life without cost. And he who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is where God is going. The problem, the problem is that that ultimate solution involves a judgment that will close the door on everyone who has not yet made a focused commitment of their life to Christ. Second Peter, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about this promise. He's going after this end, and he's not slow about it, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish but for every single person to come to repentance. So for the time being, God is waiting. 
He is being patient. I believe he weeps over the devastation and the evil and the pain and the suffering and the things that you and I see in the news every single day. He weeps more than you and I could ever weep because he loves to a degree that none of us can fathom. But he knows that to shut it down means to bring judgment, and to bring judgment shuts the door. And he won't do it because he wants his table full. He tolerates evil for a time because removing it removes any chance that his lost children will be found. And the strategy for redeeming those lost children? God does not send a conquering king. He instead sent the suffering servant, a lamb in the midst of wolves. And Jesus, out of his love for the Father and his love for us, willingly chose to be that. John 12. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now my soul has become troubled. Jesus was troubled about what he had to do. But what shall I say? Father, save me from this? But for this very purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Why? Because Jesus was willing. But there were struggles. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. From the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside because Peter wanted to help him. Kind of like the help. Peter wanted to help him out. And he began to rebuke Jesus. I need to straighten you out. God forbid it, Lord, that this should ever happen to you because people are not supposed to suffer. It would never be God's plan for you to suffer. And Jesus looked at Peter and said... Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I had a difficult week this week, and I struggled to respond right. I do every time I have a difficult week, but I didn't have anybody hold a gun to my head, or even worse, a gun to my wife's head, or even worse, a gun to my son or my daughter's head, or a gun to my grandson or my granddaughter's head, and say, convert or die. But death, and a horrible death, is what awaited Jesus 
It was part of the plan because through it came redemption, salvation, and a way for God's lost children to be found. And the perspective that I think has been missing from the discussion about Iraq and all the other places where persecution is happening in our world is this. Deliverance is not always the plan. Sometimes the plan is that God's people would be like Jesus and willingly go to the cross and die in a way that the wolves who persecuted them would become lambs. It was not easy for us, and it was not easy for Jesus. As he confronted his death, he went to the Father. After the Lord's Supper, he came out and proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a storm's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but thine be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Realize this, the angel did not come to deliver him. The angel came and gave him what he needed to do, what God had called him to do. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you will not enter in temptation. The prayer was to not enter the temptation, and the temptation was to make self-preservation the highest goal. I have seen people leave the field because they were suffering or somebody they loved was suffering and they didn't want them to suffer anymore. And when I asked them, is God telling you to leave? They couldn't look me in the eye. Suffering alone drove the decision for them. They were going to get to a place of comfort. Jesus called his disciples to have the courage to say, yet not my will, but thine be done. And Jesus followed through, and sin and death were conquered when Jesus became the Lamb of God. And then, after the resurrection, it was evening on that day and the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. And this is the key phrase, as the Father has sent me, so also I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is what you need to do to follow my footsteps. All of the apostles, all of them with the exception of John, died as martyrs. All of them. Following Jesus cost them their lives. The church grows fastest in the midst of persecution. I think this is because the depth and power of true faith in the Father is best seen when his children willingly give their lives out of love. For the redemption of others. They're saying, you know what, my life, I've always said I had this about Christianity. The mature person, the person who's genuinely following Christ is always called to lay down their life for the other person. And that's what we are called to be. Lambs 
that are willing to give up our lives so that others will come to know Christ. As we become lambs in the midst of wolves, then the wolves become lambs. And I have learned over my life, this is God's strategy. There is no other. This is God's strategy. And as we look at the headlines today, we see that strategy being played out all over the world. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who are being confronted with the ultimate sacrifice right now, today, maybe this hour. And as I peruse the Internet and Facebook, I am struck by the number of people, Christians, who are angered that governments and armies of our world are tolerating this and not stepping in and stopping it. They're demanding that their Christian brothers and sisters be delivered. I understand that sentiment. I want them delivered too because, to be honest, I don't want to confront the fact that someday God may call me to stand in front of a gun and say, I'm not going to deny Christ or watch somebody shoot my wife or watch somebody threaten or shoot my children. I don't want to confront the fact that that may happen to me one day. So I want the people who are confronted with that today to be delivered. I really, really, really want that. But at the same time, I am also convinced that the Muslim world will probably never be reached by a conquering king or an army or even a great apologist or words. I think the Muslim world will only be won by the suffering servant and the message will only crystallize as Jesus' followers willingly follow his example and the example sent by countless disciples since then to become lambs and willingly die. God is looking for followers willing to give everything out of love so that his children that are lost among the Muslim and the Buddhist and the Hindu worlds might be found. Hebrews, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, those that have died before us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin. And I think the sin here is the stuff that keeps us from being willing to die. The sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy, see the end result is joy. Even though this, the, this, the, was, what we sing in the song this morning, there, there may be pain in the night, but with the morning, there is joy in the morning. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Consider Jesus' example, so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. Hebrews 3, take care, my brethren, that there not be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage. See, this is to me the core of Christianity. Encourage. Give courage to one another, because if we're really following Jesus, what God's called me to do is probably going to scare the living daylights out of me. And the person next to you and the next to you, if they're really following Jesus, they're all scared. And that's why the scripture tells us, 
encourage, give courage to one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance, firm until the end. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray. We're going to pray for those who are currently being persecuted around the world right now. The ones that it's happening as we speak. But we're not necessarily going to pray for deliverance. There were situations where God delivered Jesus because it wasn't the time for Jesus. He walked through a crowd that was getting ready to stone him or throw him off a cliff. Just walked through it. And God delivered him because that was not the time. But when the time came, the need was not for deliverance. The need was for courage. The need was for perseverance. The need was for faith. The need was even for joy. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There, is, there may come a day when you or your children or your grandchildren will be asked to make the ultimate sacrifice. What would you want your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you? What would you want them to pray for you if you were in that situation? Pray that now. For those in our world who are in that situation today. And pray listening to God. Because there may be something more. I believe in the most incredible, creative, genius God. There may be something more that he really wants you or I to do. So we need to pray listening to hear what he might have us do. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.